Kick it, bitches. DJ and PK reminding you Valentine's Day is this week. Flowers make the perfect gift. Jimmy's Flowers, a longtime partner with The Zone, can make it easy by visiting them at jimmysflowers.com. Remember, Valentine's Day is on Sunday this year. Jimmy's Flowers at jimmysflowers.com. Party Hounds and the Big Dog joins us now. Tim Lacombe, former BYU Assistant coach, he's also on Rick Majerus' staff at the U. Now he's our jazz radio studio analyst. You hear him with Jake Scott on the pre-half and post-game shows. Tim, good morning. Whether you want to or not, this is the guy you got. <laughs> ELC in the house. What's up, boys? <laughs> so, have you gotten your second win now in the jazz season? Because there is something, you know, you think you're watching a lot of basketball, and you think you said, but when you have to have the old butt in the old seat for the pre-half of the post, no matter if the game is interesting or it's predictable, if it's close or it's lopsided, you get a whole different feel for the NBA season. It can wear people down. You getting your second win now? You sound pumped. Uh, no, I'm, I'm still actually looking for – I've ordered my second win on Amazon, but it's, it's a day late. Um, I, the doorbell rings. I think they're bringing my second win, but hopefully it will come today. Well, when it comes today, I don't know that you even need it because I have all sorts of energy for this team because the way they're playing is just simply sensational. The thing that I like is that you just look at the last two games. You know, Early last night, the shots weren't just dropping left and right. Pretty much the whole game against Indiana, three-pointers weren't necessarily dropping. So find ways to win. Can you speak to the... What, what am I looking for? Just to the hallmark of a team that finds ways to win when your number one way isn't necessarily working for you. Yeah, I think what's been um, fascinating about this season so far, and I think DJ, you hit it on the head. Um, I've never experienced an NBA season like this, you know, because I'm last year I kind of did some of the games, and this year I'm doing every one of them. So. Uh, you know, for me, being having been in the profession a long time, I, I noticed every little thing from the very beginning of the season. And, you know, what I think the reason this team has finds different ways to win is I believe like they're all invested in winning. Um, I think this is a a team that says all the right things. And I hear all that, you know, from coaches and from the players but what's really exciting to me is that that message and everything they talk about, when you watch that with your eyes, you watch the games, you see all of that. You see all of the, you know, that they're intent on making the right basketball play that guys have committed to becoming better defenders. Um, you know, that, you know, the coaching staff, we're going to play faster and we're going to, we're going to tweak kind of what we do. And they certainly have done that. And, so what's exciting to me is that all that stuff you mentioned, PK, is definitely um, tangible. It's not ethereal. It's not stuff that, you know, a lot of times players and coaches will say stuff and then the actual product on the court doesn't match anything that's being said. And I think that that's, to me, been more 
exciting than anything is that this plan was put in place uh, and the buy-in from the team seems to be 100%. And I think when you do that, you're not fixated on simply one way to win, but like you mentioned, finding ways to do that. So it seems like even when things are going wrong, and this is one of the things they say, but it's hard to do, even when things are going wrong, there seems to be this mix of, well, number one, they keep doing what they're doing. You know, you keep shooting threes, right? But there also seems to be this patience and like, hey, we can get rebounds or we can defend and lock guys down. So even when it's going wrong and they're down by six at Indiana, it still feels like they got this. And that level of confidence to get that is it's a really hard thing to do. But it seems like they've done it and they've got it. No, it's funny because I, I actually made that comment to Jake. As tough as that game was in Indiana and tough as a circumstance with three days in or excuse me, three games in three and a half days, obviously the early tip time for the Super Bowl. Um and an Indiana team that Really, that team and those guys have given the Jazz trouble. I think last year they beat the Jazz 25 in Indiana. Mm-hmm. So um, I had the same feeling, though. You know, the Jazz, there there was parts of the game where they just maybe weren't clicking. Um, but their defense, their rebounding, their attention to detail really keep them in every game. And you know with this team that that spurt's coming. Um, and again, the nice thing about it doesn't have to come in any particular way. Doesn't have to be. They may make a flurry of threes, or they they get the game out and transition a bunch. They can beat you in so many different ways, and it's really a couple of those things stacking up that start a run. And then once they go on a run, and the confidence kicks in even more, you know that's where, like last night with Boston, I knew it was it was a kind of a nip and tuck close game, but I knew the Jazz had their run in there, and it honestly I felt really comfortable the entire game that they're going to find a way to win. How about old man Joe Ingles, man? Joe, if you're driving to work, you're one of the senior guys on the team, so I get to call you that. Or not to work, driving your kid to school. Uh, Conley's out, so he just plays one of his better, if not the best game of the season, man. That's quite the luxury to be able to call on him and have him deliver like that. Such a luxury. Uh, You know, I've talked about it. It's What makes this Jazz team unique is, uh, you know, for years our our come from around here was – a big guy gets the rebound and throws it out to Stockton or Darren Williams, and they dribble the ball up and they initiate offense. And you know, you run great half-court stuff, and you screen hard, and you play really fast. You know, play with a ton of energy, and that gets you what you want. Um, to be able to have a couple of different guys that you know you can outlet the ball to, or can bring it on their own, uh, heaven forbid, you know, start the break, which is really hard to to defend against. Uh, but then to be able to put all those guys, and by those guys, they're not just guys. Like you mentioned, Joe Ingles is he is phenomenal. Um, he may be one of the best guys in pick and roll, and his pace. People, We talk about pace as coaches all the time, and pace is kind of this uh, ethereal word for you know really reading the situation and transition with pace. You really want to have – some fire in your step like we saw Donovan late in the game last night. Take that thing all the way to the cup and score. Um, but pace can also be in a ball screen where, you know, you you come off the ball screen, you're in sync with the guy setting it, um, everything happens in synergy between the two of you. You're reading your defender. If your defender's behind you, you keep them on the, their hip. 
what he's just he's just so good at reading the defense and you know to have Mike Conley out and to be able to bring a guy like that in to just run the show and calm everything down ends up with six assists if I'm not mistaken um and the thing I'll say about Joe I think you know we talked a lot about Mike Conley being a little bit out of his comfort zone last year and I think it really affected Joe too and I think that's where we saw Joe you know maybe trying to figure out how he fit, where the shots were coming from. I don't sense that at all this year. I think he's uh, completely comfortable. And, like, last night in my mind, there's a lot of reasons the Jazz won the game, but I think, PK, you're on to probably one of the biggest reasons. And, you know, Donovan was spectacular. Um, But Joe really, like Mike's done all year, kind of ran the show, held everything together. And I'm a huge fan of Joe. He loves fun playing the game. He doesn't take it all that too serious. Um, he understands bigger things. But, man, he's a competitive guy. And he really, really understands score and wants to win. Well, you can tell that with the trash talking because he gets going sometimes. Yeah. But I, I, mean, I want you to. Me, I've got three of us playing. <laughs> you know, I, I, I would be in your grill. I want you to talk about the pace. And you must have, as a college coach, tried to coach up you know, freshmen and sophomores on this kind of stuff. Because you'll hear a team that loses and has a lot of turnovers say, oh, they sped us up. And you want to be fast and athletic and have that when you need it. But the best defensive players slow down. They know they have all the answers. And they're just waiting to read, like, what are you going to take away from me? Okay, if you take that, then I can go do this. Because they've got – are you doing dishes? (laughs) <laughs> no, no, I was grabbing a Diet Coke out of the, uh, okay, good. Out of the garage. <laughs> so they, they've got all the answers. And so the whole slow-mo Joe thing isn't because Joe is slow. If he were that slow, every pick and roll would be run at him, and the Jazz would be giving up 150 points. He's that slow because when you're on offense and you're really in command, you get to do that, and it makes you more dangerous. Can you kind of explain that and elaborate it and how you try to teach it to you know 19-year-olds? And he's got well, it. You, you actually just did a great job because, really, that is the essence of it. Um, pace is not particularly the the speed with which you play, but more the force. And the force is dictated, obviously, by what you see. Um, your defender, obviously, everything starts with your defender. Uh, your defender will give you cues. Um, when, they, when you catch the ball and... You, you just take a snapshot of, you know, who, who am I first and what are my strengths and then what's my defender? You know, where is he and what's he doing? And a lot of times guys will close at a bad angle and open up the gate. And, again, if you're tuned into all that stuff, you'll have a great understanding. And what's awesome this year about the Jazz is really all it takes to get uh, uh, offensive spurt started is – pushing the ball in transition and breaking the paint or catching the ball on a skip, you know, start with a ball screen, come off it, skip it. Your guys reacting to how, you know, you, to you catching the ball. And when they close to you, that's where your opportunity to read. And then pace dictates, Hey, I'm going to be patient here uh, and use a ball screen or no, Hey, this guy is completely out of position. I am going to take advantage of that left shoulder and I'm going to drive hard right through that straight line, and I'm going to put pressure on the defense. And in a ball screen, um, you know, you need to let the guy get set. 
that's number one. You guys have, you know, you and the guy setting it have to be in unbelievably good sync. And he has to be set. You've seen oftentimes where Rudy's not quite set. Guy starts and moving pick. So it's an easy way to, to foul it up if you're too, you know, if you're too quick. But um, catch the ball, survey it, read your man. And then the next progression is read, you know, read the help. And what the Jazz have done so good is I think they've communicated and taught that so well that they're always figuring out a way to play on advantage. And last night, Boston switched everything. And we know that's been a little bit of a, a kryptonite deal with Rockets, you know, teams with length that can switch. And it really did kind of slow the Jazz down in the first half, but it didn't bog them down. And they got to, the, to halftime and they went in and made some adjustments. And they came out and absolutely torched it. And as David said last night, you know, most teams have a plan and it works fairly well for a bit. And then they got to pull the ripcord on the plan. And that's when you know you're playing great offense and you are using pace to your advantage. So over the course of the next two weeks, they got Milwaukee, Philadelphia, the Clippers twice. Uh, the Lakers, Miami's sort of a disappointment, but they've had all sorts of issues there. But nevertheless, the teams that I just looked at are just named all pretty good teams. So schedule beefs up. Uh, what are you expecting as far as this goes? It's funny. We talked about this on the pregame last night. And, you know, when you have an 11-game winning streak and you win 16 out of 17, isn't that where we're at right now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um I think the expectation is probably to win every game you play. I mean, that's, I've got a whole theory on expectation and how, uh, what I feel like the jazz are doing is they're now prepping for Milwaukee and they're figuring out ways to tweak their plan last time that worked well so that they, you know, Milwaukee has to come in here and re and adjust to what the jazz are doing. Um, my expectation is that this team is, right now one of the top you know three or four teams in the nba and you know record would say they're number one we all know that there's really good players out there but i think if the jazz can continue to keep it simple and i love that they've got a couple days off because i certainly needed one um i needed i can't believe i got two nights off in a row it's pretty awesome but these guys are going to thrive on this little break and my my thought is i think this comes at a great time because akin to like a video game the jazz have played you know about middle of the road they're probably 15th in strength of schedule um so they've played really good teams and they played some teams that aren't considered great but this is an opportunity now to level up and this um this little stretch which they passed the first test last night i think they're in the right mindset where hey they're not looking at it being like we just said you know the bucks and the Heat and the Clippers twice. They're looking at this thing like the Bucks. You know, what do we have to do to be successful against the Bucks? And they roll it out there and play. And I think as long as they can keep it simple, I really do believe they can. I mean, my thought is let's win three or four at home and let's go down there and split in LA. Uh, but understanding that this Jazz team has the, the capacity and, that, and they could go in there and do and win them all, I wouldn't be totally shocked. But I think they go on some, another crazy run right here. It's just validation to everything that we've talked about to this point. So how much do players really, and you told your players, tune out the noise, tune out the noise. 
But how much do they tune it out? Because PK and I were sitting there before the Celtic game going, Donovan's going to go off. A, he's going to have a great stat line because he's a great player and he has a lot of great stat lines. Well, he gets B, the shack if he does. Right, Conley, yeah. Conley's out so he knows, right, there's nobody to pick it up if I'm a little off, so I better not be a little off, right? And then three, it's TNT and Shaq's watching. That's right, I'm going to drop the hammer. And so sure enough... 36 points, and he's sticking multiple threes. And you know you're not supposed to when you're defended. If you have to jump over a guy to be open, you're not open. And that rule applies to 99% of the players, but it doesn't apply to the best. And so Donovan you know, jumps four feet in the air over a guy and sticks a three from 27 feet. I mean, it was ridiculous, and everybody went nuts, but he did it. So how much is he really tuning out the noise, and how much of that is BS? And he wanted to just light it up on TNT. Well, you can't in this day and age tune out all of the noise. Um, you know, obviously these guys like us uh, have access to more information than we know what to do with. Um, I think tuning out the noise is not so much a physical thing, but a mental thing. And I think there's sometimes the noise can motivate you uh, in like in the case of this, you know, the, the Shaq stuff. Um, and I just want to take an opportunity to thank Shaq for um, you know, looking out for us and, and coaching up Donovan because I thought that was sure admirable. Um, of course, uh, but, but I think that that's the key is I, I think you can get too entrenched in it and you be, you know, you start thinking that your worth somehow is, is defined by what people think. And that's certainly not the case. I think the piece to this, and again, I started with this, I'll, I'll come back to it. I listen intently to everything that is said by this guy, this team and the coaches, and whether it be Lagarza or Wells at halftime, um, Quinn before the game and after the game, and then the myriad of players that you get an opportunity to listen to. And the thing that I am tuning into, what I'm really trying to see is are the words that are being spoken and the stuff that's transpiring on the floor, are they congruent? Because I'm seriously, it it could be a funny uh, exercise to sit and listen to a bunch of stuff that sports people say, and then you go watch their games and say, they're not even, they don't even sound like, they don't even look like the same thing. Where I think the Jazz are really clued into stuff here is I think the mental side of this thing is really solid. And Whatever they're doing with that, however they're focusing, keep it up because I think it's uh, it's definitely paying dividends. And this team is mature, you know, like Donovan's mature beyond its years, his years. But the mixture of exciting young guys and vets um, that have been down a road before that's ended in discouragement and want something a little bit different, I think that's what's motivating all this. And so. Yeah, you cannot turn out, tune out the noise completely, but my thought is you can use that noise and some of the information that comes from it to your advantage. He's Tim Lacombe. He's on the Jazz Radio broadcast, and he is off until Friday. Woohoo! Then you get a back. And I'm not doing up. the dishes. <laughs> That's good. Once upon a time, a listener got a nickname because he actually was doing dishes while lighting this up. Well, I'm sure I've got nicknames um, that aren't shared with me, but uh, Timmy Tangent will stick with that. And we did good today staying on, on task because PK was so quiet. Yeah, well, I mean, I do what I do. And you do it very well, sir. 
Thank you. All right, Tim. Tim McComb. Tim, we will talk to you again next week. We'll hear you uh, Friday night. Sounds great. Thank you all for having me on. Have a great day. Tim McComb, Jazz Radio Studio Analyst. Aaron Roderick, BYU Offensive Coordinator, is coming up. Yes, the Jazz Love Fest will hit pause in 15 minutes for a little BYU football. But first, we got more people uh, with their takes on the Jazz game. People just waking up, just joining the show. And we will get to those next. Stay with us.